So let's open this service by asking God to bless it. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for protecting our church. Thank you for protecting our people, Lord. And now we bow before your throne and we ask you that you speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Let this message touch our hearts, Father, and speak to us today about the truth that you have for us today. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The subject of the sermon today is eternal security. This is a critically important subject that many people in the Christian church do not understand. And you need to have a critical understanding of eternal security because without it, you cannot have a triumphant Christian life. Eternal security means simply this, that when you are saved at the moment that God saves you and seals you with the Holy Spirit, that at that moment you are saved forever, that no one, no power, no authority can ever take you out of the hand of God and Jesus Christ. You are sealed forever and saved forever. And you can understand that when you come to understand eternal security, really it means that you're never worried about falling on a precipice and falling away from God because you know that God will always hold you. And we're going to speak about that today because without this, really without this, you cannot have a triumphant Christian life because otherwise it's all on you and it's, we're back to works. Just like so many of us have inconceivably construed the fact that we work our way into salvation. Well, if you couldn't work your way into salvation, what makes you think you could work your way out of salvation? It's not about works. It's about the grace of God. It's about the love of God being so profound and so deep that it would know no limits, that human beings cannot begin to understand what kind of love this is, and that God wanted to restore the broken relationship that he had with humanity. And so we have a triumphant Christian life, meaning this, it's not about us. We don't reflect about on us, but instead we reflect on him. What can we do for him? What is necessary with our walk to advance the kingdom of God? And so we're going to go through a number of verses today because here's the thing. My opinion on this subject is irrelevant. And I'm going to say that again. My opinion on this subject is irrelevant. What's critical is God's word. What does God's word say about this? And so I'm going to give you multiple passages from scripture so that you can reflect and pray on it and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about it. And we'll begin with the first epistle of John, 1 John chapter 5 beginning with verse 11. And the Bible says there, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It couldn't be any simpler. If you have the Son, you have eternal life. He, God has given it to you. It is by the grace of God, unmerited favor. You did nothing but recognized you need a savior. And even in that regard, God gave you the very, faith, the very faith to lift your hands up and say to God, I need a savior. And so that savior gives you eternal life, plain and simple. It's either Jesus or it's no eternal life. There's, there's no gray area. It's black and wife. And so we understand that he who has the son has life. 
he who does not, does not have life. And so here's the point of this sermon. Without eternal security in your life, without eternal security in, in your life, there can really be no peace and no joy. Why do I say that? Because you're always waiting to fail. You're always expecting a misstep. You're always wondering if today is the day you will lose your salvation. And you cannot have a triumphant Christian walk. You cannot reach out to people and show the joy of the Spirit of God because joy is missing. Now, when you understand what eternal security is, yes, you have that joy. Yes, you understand that every day of your life, God holds you and nothing is going to separate you. Nothing will limit you. And so I want to show you this again through a number of verses. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And it says there in Scripture, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Underline that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a great verse. What a great set of verses. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. And the most important thing that many people are worrying about is whether they're saved, whether their salvation continues, or whether they will lose their salvation. Well, here's the thing. If you're worried about that, you can't possibly be happy because that anxiety would pervade every aspect of your life. And so clearly God is telling you, he's giving you the assurance that God has sealed you forever with the Holy Spirit. And the problem is that for us, we equate God's actions with human actions. And we could never think of any human being say, saying that the relationship that I have with this other person will sustain itself forever. We would never say that with regard to any human being because we know human beings can be vile and do terrible things and would walk away from relationships. But God says that cannot happen with him that he saw you before you were formed. And so when Jesus died on the cross and, and forgave you your sins and sealed you effectively with the Holy Spirit, you're in this forever. And God is putting his stamp of ownership on you. And so here's what I want you to reflect about. And it's, it's simply this. If the sins that you commit after you have become a Christian sever your relationship with Christ, then clearly those sins could not have been covered at the cross. Let me repeat that. If the sins that you committed after becoming a Christian annulled your relationship with Jesus Christ, then clearly those sins were not covered at the cross. And so I would say to people that have that belief, where in Scripture does it say that? Where are there sins that say that you would sever that relationship with God once you've committed yourself to God? They're nowhere. They don't exist. It's a fantasy. And so to, to differentiate between forgiven sins and unforgiven sins is to make a difference not found in Scripture. On the cross, Jesus paid the price once and for all. Let us not diminish what that great act did. Jesus paid the ultimate price. And once you came in salvation to Christ, God sealed you forever. 
Everything that you did before has been forgotten. Everything that you would do after has been forgotten. God has sealed you and forgiven you. And so to disregard eternal security is to take away from what Jesus did at the cross. Let me say it again. When he paid the price on the cross, you were saved forever. And so part of the reason why I think people have trouble with this issue is that they, they fail to really understand the significance of what went on at the cross. And here's what went on at the cross. At the cross, the old covenant, the covenant that God gave Moses for the Jewish people, which was predicated on law, on the law of God, was effectively suspended forever. That would no longer be the prevailing way that God would judge man. And you understand what that was about. That was about the Ten Commandments and all the laws that would be given to the Jewish people that you would find in the first five books of the Bible. And so what that meant was that God was giving the law to man so that man would ultimately come to the conclusion that they needed a savior. It wasn't that the law would save them. The law was never designed to save them. The law was designed to expose their flaws. And Jesus, rather God, gave us a sacrificial system so that we would understand that. And Jesus became the perfect sacrifice once and for all, ending forever animal sacrifice. Now, the new covenant, which was established at the cross, and you know we talked about that because the curtain of the Holy of Holies was severed forever. The new covenant is based on grace, meaning what? The unmerited favor of God. Unmerited. You're getting something that you didn't deserve, you didn't earn, you didn't work for. It's because God loves you and all he expects you to do is to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. And so when you accept the free gift of Jesus Christ, at that moment, through grace of God, you are saved forever. That's what took place on the cross. And so it's no more ritual sacrifice. It's once and for all the eternal sacrifice of your high priest, Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of God. And so here's the point. God demands perfection. Perfection. That is why man failed under the law. No man could keep the law. Only Jesus Christ could keep the law. And so once you recognize that you can't keep the law, you recognize you need a savior. That if you want to come into the presence of God, a God who demands perfection, that the only way that that perfection can be attained is through that perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And so God spoke volumes to us at the cross. God spoke volumes to us through the Holy Spirit. And God continues to speak volumes to us today about what he has done for us, again, through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so here's the key to understanding this. God determined from the creation of the world that Jesus Christ would be the one last perfect sacrifice. That would end the sacrificial system under the law. It would begin the new covenant with Jesus Christ. Holy Supper, forever, understanding the gifts that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Look also, if you would, because I want to give you a number of verses that can help to develop this understanding in your heart. Look at John chapter 6, if you would. John chapter 6, verse 30, verses 35 to 37. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me 
will never be thirsty. Understand the, the, the words there, uh, the adverbs. Never. He will never be hungry. He will never be thirsty. It's not for a period of time. There's no timeline on these promises. They are forever. But, I, but I mean, this becomes important for you to understand this. Uh, but as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. And listen to this verse, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and all that come to me, I will never drive away. All and never. You couldn't be clearer. You couldn't be clearer. And so Jesus is telling us that, that when God has predestined us through his foreknowledge to come to Christ, and when we accept Christ, you will, God will bring you to Christ, and no one, no authority will ever take you away from Christ. It is a universal promise. It is unrestricted, and the world desperately needs to understand this. So to come to Jesus... As Jesus phrased it there, to come to Jesus means to have faith in Jesus, to believe that he is who he said he is through the favor of God, that he is the son of God. That's what it means to come to Jesus, to open your heart and to submit to him, to bow before him. And that is through heart regeneration. Lord, not only do I understand who you are with my mind, but through my heart, I give it to you. Look also, if you would, to Ephesians chapter Two. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You have been saved by grace by the unmerited favor of God who saw you and saw what you would become and predestined you in accordance with his will to become an adopted son of God. And so when you see these words, it's not yourself. You didn't work yourself into salvation. You didn't do anything on your own to obtain salvation. God gave it to you. It was his will and his grace and his favor. So what makes you think that if you didn't earn it, that you could effectively work your way out of it? There's nothing in scripture that tells us this. You will never be lost once you are sealed with the Holy Spirit uh, as the ownership of God. Here's the point. You may face sickness. You may face death. You may face disappointment. And God will keep you strong even in those moments. Uh, and in fact, in death, God will even keep you closer. And you can see this. And that's been my experience in life and ministry, especially when our dear ones are near death. When I go to visit them, I could see the light of Christ shining through them. It's as if their faith has gotten stronger, not weaker, because they know where they're headed. They know they've lived their whole life for Jesus Christ. And they recognize the promise of who he is and what he has done for them. And it's like this. It's like steel. And that's why the death of a Christian is a glorious event. Now, some of you might say right now, well, suppose I get to the point where I deny Jesus. Suppose I refuse to recognize who he is. Well, we have an example of that in the Bible. Peter, no one closer to, to Jesus than Peter, 
who of course said to Jesus, I will never deny you, Lord. And yet Jesus says, oh no, Peter. No, you're gonna deny me three times when I need you the most. You're gonna deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened when Peter stood outside of the palace, a pilot, and refused to accept the fact and, and, and admit that he was a follower of Jesus Christ and denied him not once but three times. And not only did he deny him, he blasphemed him in doing that. Now, here's the doctrine of the keeping power of God. Did God throw him on the refuse heap? Did God say, I'm finished with you? No, Jesus took him and embraced him and in fact brought him back into the kingdom and Peter had a greater, greater call under the, under the life of Jesus Christ afterwards than he did before as he was a leading disciple in helping to spread the power of, of Christ Jesus. So this is not the preacher's opinion. Don't ever come to a conclusion on an important doctrinal issue based on the, the charisma or personality of the preacher. Rather, sift through the words, sift through the scripture, and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart on this. I'm going to give you some supporting verses, and I could sit here and give you many supporting verses, but I'm trying to distill this into effectively a half-hour sermon so that you might be able to remember it. And it's beginning with John chapter 10. Take a look at John chapter 10 beginning with verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Now, can Jesus have been clearer than that? No one can snatch them out of my hand. No power no authority, no demon, no sin. Nothing can snatch them out of the hand of Jesus. He has given them eternal life. And this is the point. That relationship that we have with Jesus begins here in this world. This is why we have a triumphant Christian life. Every day that you get up, you know that you're saved, that nothing can happen to you, not within the perfect will of God. You will not fall out of the hand of God. He will be with you. That is why you walk triumphantly and can speak to people about what Christ has done for you, what God has done for you. You're not worried about the, the vicissitudes of life. You know God has surrounded you with his favor. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Look also now at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So what's going on in these verses? What's going on? Well, it's pretty clear that through the foreknowledge of God, and this is how we differentiate between foreknowledge and predestination. God, in his foreknowledge, looked at you, uh, that lumpless set of molecules before he formed you, and saw there in his foreknowledge what you would do with Jesus Christ. That's foreknowledge. And so in his foreknowledge, as he recognized what you would do, he then conformed you and predestined you to accept Christ Jesus and salvation and effectively to become 
just like Jesus, to become the brother of Jesus, who would be the firstborn among many brothers. That's who Jesus is. Once you're a Christian, once you've given God your heart, he is your brother. You are adopted into the family of God. And so understand what that means. It means that as he predestined you and as you're sealed with the Holy Spirit and become part of God's adopted family, when he did this, he justified you, meaning justification means your sins are forgiven. He reconciled you, meaning you now have an ongoing relationship with God. And he glorified you, meaning that in your death, you will be glorified just as Jesus was glorified. What a powerful verse this is. As you understand what Christ is doing for us through, through the grace of God, it is so absolutely powerful. So nothing can separate us from the, the, the will of God. Look also as we are in Romans chapter 8. Take a look at a few verses further down. Look at verses 37 to 39. And these are amongst my very favorite verses in the Bible. And when you're having a hard time, when you're getting depressed, when things aren't going your way, and when, the, when you want to know whether God is in your corner, even, even when you may not feel him in your corner, I want to assure you that he walks with you every step of the way, that the Holy Spirit is there with you. I don't want you to feel down about this. I want you to have an understanding, and that understanding is eternal security. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, Scripture says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And let me ask you something. How could you be a conqueror, be more than a conqueror, if all you were was some willow weep of the wind, which would be cast away at some misstep? That's not the case. No, we are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the congregation said, Amen. Let's understand that. Nothing, no power, no demon, no angel, no death, no life, no consequence is going to separate you from the power of God and the life of Jesus Christ. You are there forever. He couldn't have made it more straightforward. Nothing will separate us. And so I often wonder how people can take these verses and ignore them, and, and ignoring them at their own peril, allowing them to have a weak Christian life. God wants you to be a, more than a conqueror. He wants you to stand tall as you face the vicissitudes of life, knowing he is with you. And nothing will take you out of his hands. What a powerful, a powerful set of verses this is. Nothing separating us from the power of God and, and, and the will of God. Look also, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. For he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul used the word adopted, when he used that word, that was not a throwaway word. Paul was a Roman citizen. And so when he chose the word adopted as a Roman citizen, that had powerful consequences because adoption 
under Roman law was critically important. In ancient Rome, it had great meaning, meaning this, a parent could disown their own biological children for any reason whatsoever. That was the society. But once they adopted a child, that adopted child was sealed forever in the family relationship. That adopted child could never be disowned. And here's the thing. If you were adopted, the child, it was proven that the child was highly desired by the parents. Uh, The child would become a permanent part of the family, could not be disowned in any way. And he would have a new identity. All that the child had before in terms of his identity, in terms of his reputation, or even debts that he might have secured, all of that would have been forgiven and wiped out. And so the concept, really, of inheritance was an active part of life, meaning this. The inheritance of being an adopted child did not take place at the moment of death of the parent. No, the concept of adoption took place at the very moment of adoption in life, meaning as you were adopted by the parent in life, you became part of the family. And so that's what Paul is saying here. That's why this word is so really, really important. This really underscores, underscores importantly, uh, the writing of Paul and the will of God. It shows us that God wants us. He desires us to become a brother of Jesus within the family of God. And he adopts us forever, forever. All right, forever. And so I, I want to emphasize this in terms of your, your spiritual walk, that, that you need to understand that. And remember the word adoption. That's really a word that seals this whole relationship. And so look also, if you would, at Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, pardon me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God has guaranteed what is to come by putting the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in you as a seal. Well, what is the guarantee of what is to come? That is eternal life. You're guaranteed. And you know what? We throw that word around in this world about guarantees and whether certain companies give a guarantee with their product. I can assure you, no no company will give you the guarantee that God will give you. It is forever. You're sealed forever because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, understanding that. And so in that verse there, it says that he wants us. He gives us the power to stand firm because he he, he anointed us. He, he wants you and allows you to stand firm in Christ. And then he set his seal of ownership on you through his, his, his spirit and gave you the spirit, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What a tremendous promise this is of our great Lord and Father. How great this is. And so look also now at 1 Corinthians, and I can give you many verses. But as I said, I'm trying to synthesize this and distill it down into a cohesive uh, position and sermon that you can remember. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verses 8 to 9. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. He will keep you. That's his promise. He will keep you to the end, to the end of the time here in this world, and then the end of time when we're in heaven. He will keep you and keep you strong. Again, this promise is unbelievable. So as we reflect on all these verses, and I try to pull them together for you, what does it all mean? It means Jesus will lose no one that comes to him, that Jesus will bring all of his sheep into the fold, that nothing and no one, no power, nothing, no principality can ever take any away any of the sheep that Jesus has taken into the fold, that believers receive the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God in them forever, sealing them with ownership from God uh, and the promise of God. That further, those believers are predestined to conform to the likeness of Jesus Christ as their brother, as their adopted brother. And that God has sealed us in this relationship uh, by the Holy Spirit. And that we are fully adopted in the family of God as his children forever, permanently. Nothing can change it. Now, what is our responsibility? Uh, what is our responsibility as God has indicated this is all that he does for salvation? Well, our responsibility really is to continue to walk with him, to continue to pray to him, to try to continue to conform our lives to him. And there's a good verse that sets this all out. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation, meaning you didn't, you didn't save yourself. It's not your works, but continue to understand what salvation is and what a great gift it is and use that gift to advance the kingdom of God, pray to God, submit to God, study the word of God, working out your salvation, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And there it is. We understand that we are here to serve God. We're not here to serve ourselves. So as we understand our salvation and as we pray to God and we submit to God, we understand that he has called us to work for the advancement of his will. That's why you're here. That's what your purpose of your life is about. Not about you. Don't sit there going through your daily life thinking about this sin or that sin or where you're going to fall. Instead, walk triumphantly. You're more than a conqueror. God has given you that benefit and that grace. And so this becomes his part. God has done his part. Now we have to do our part. But remember this, that even if you fail, even if you trip up, even if there comes a time when you somehow walk away, God still will not abandon you. And so this becomes important. So Paul says, nothing can separate us from, from the love of God. Not sin. No sin. Why? Because no one can reopen our case. When you came to salvation, your sins were forgiven forever. Before the high tribunal of God, nobody can ever reopen that case. And then we know that no physical suffering or tribulation also can do that. I want you to turn also to Romans 8 again. It's a great chapter there. Some people say perhaps the greatest chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse uh, 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And let's understand the time that this is written. The Roman Empire presides. There are Christians being crucified every day. They would light their corpses up to light the highways. That's how bad Rome was. And so if you're a Christian, you are under great duress. And look what Paul says. Nothing shall separate us. Not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Really, are we going to compare what we go through in life now to what those first century Christians go through? Really, God, forgive us. I understand that life here can be troublesome at some point and problematic, but there's no comparison between what went on then and what we're going through now. And God is promising you to hold you and keep you forever. Uh, Look also, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's who persecutes you and causes you suffering. It is the demon world around us. those people who stand against the will of God. And we have to understand this, that God has given us the ability to withstand that. He allows us to stand firm. He gives us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to walk with us and encourage us in every possible way. And so this is the message that I have for you as the church and the message that I would like you to give to those outside of the church as you leave here. It's important that you convey this message That's important that when people get saved, they understand that it's forever. And let me make this statement right now. If any one of you is listening to this message and has any doubt in your mind as to whether or not you are saved, I want to end that today. I want you to pick up a phone, and you know my phone number is listed. I want you to call me, and let's go over this, and let's pray, and we can end it forever. Because once you speak to me, I'll show you what God says. I will assure you that you can be saved, that you can give your heart to Jesus Christ. And from that day forward, you can walk in triumph as an adopted son or daughter of God. Don't let another day go by like this. We can fix this, and we can fix it today. And that's my my hope and prayer for you. So this needs to be spoken to a lost world about how great God is, about how his will is so different from human will about how even when we don't act fully in accord with the will of God once we're saved, he still holds us and secures us eternally, permanently, forever. Let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for what you have done for us in salvation. Lord, I thank you for giving us the understanding of what eternal security is. Lord, I ask you that you anoint these words, that they resonate in our hearts, that every day we go stronger with this faith, knowing that you hold us secure forever and allow us to have a triumphant Christian life. Let us, Lord, go out into the world and give this message to those who desperately need it. And Father, if there's someone listening to this message today that is not secure, I ask you, Father, that we reach out to them and they reach out to us so we can end that concern once and for all. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name forever. 
We love you, church.